Hello, crime lovers, and welcome to Crime on Tap. I'm Megan, joined by my co-host, Sean. And welcome to our true crime podcast. Join us weekly as we drink our favorite cocktails and discuss gruesome murders, kidnappings, conspiracies, and more. Share the podcast with your friends, family, and heck, your grandma. Leave a review and make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Crime on Tap Pod. Tune in for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Whether you're driving to work or doing laundry, Crime on Tap will be sure to fulfill your true crime fix each week. And now, buckle up for this week's episode. Listen and enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to Crime on Tap! With your host, me, Megan. And your other co-host, Sean. Oh, I forgot about you. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, welcome back to another episode of Crime on Tap. Megan, I don't want to, like, boost our egos too much, but our part two of Chris Watts has 40 plays. Can you believe that? It is popping off. I don't know what it is about Chris Watts. People are interested. And I have to say, it's a very intense story. I mean, it was a two-parter for us because we had so much to say. I mean, yeah, it's very intense, but part two has 40 plays and part one has 13. So again, <laughs> we we don't understand what's going on here. We don't understand the algorithm or the analytics or anything that has to do with um, podcasting, but here we are. We still like to look at them, even though we don't understand them. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we thank you so much for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. We see you over there leaving some five-star reviews, so... If you want to support us and help us grow this podcast even more, go ahead and leave us a like, leave us a review. (laughs) Yeah, we said. (laughs) It is 10.30 a.m. for this impromptu recording. We're drinking coffee. Mm -hmm. I have to take my cat to the vet for her checkup, so I don't want to be Liddy (laughs) when I take her to the vet. Um, She's my pride and joy. Getting Liddy for the kitty. (laughs) She is my pride and joy. She'll be 16 in May. Oh my God. I know. She's so old, but she's a spry little thing. And so she's getting her checkup and her rabies shot. Did you tell her that she's going to the vet? Oh. Oh, we say, oh, don't worry, Harmony. Nothing's happening April 1st. Don't you worry. Nothing's going on. It's a jokey jokey. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Just another day, honey. Just get in the fucking cage. Yes. (laughs) What kind of coffee are you drinking? I like Green Mountain Coffee, which is very local to my area, and chocolate cappuccino. Wow. Flavor. Yeah. I love flavored coffee. So that's fancy. Is it like a K cup or something? No, it's a it's a um oh, bag. It's a bag? Wow, mm-hmm. I didn't know they made that one. Um I don't really drink Green Mountain coffee. Only <laughs> because my last job, that was the coffee they had, like for available for for employees to drink, for customers to drink. So I'm kind of triggered by Green Mountain coffee <laughs> these days, so I cannot even look at it without thinking of my past job. That is completely understandable. <laughs> <laughs> Today, I'm also drinking coffee, Megan. You know, it is 1030, so I'm on my second cup. I have a little Dunkin' Donuts hazelnut coffee Ooh. with a good old extra, extra, the classic creamer. It's 
the best start to my morning. And I wish we could say we have a coffee sponsor for today, but unfortunately we don't. And you might be hearing another anchor sponsorship later on in the podcast because it's the only sponsorship we can seem to get. So for the love of God, check out Anchor. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, please, please leave a like, leave a review. Tell your parents, tell your family, tell your grandparents to listen. Help us, please. It benefits you as well, because then you don't have to hear about the anchors. <laughs> exactly. So it's a win-win for both of us. Alrighty, Megan. So if you have nothing left to say, I know you just want to keep talking, but mm-hmm. let's get into this episode. Yeah. So what we're talking about today is we're doing another episode of Snapped, the series of women killers. And this episode, it starts off a little, oh, uh, uh, but then it's crazy. And it turns out a pretty cool and interesting episode. So this is um, the story of Martha Ann McClancy. As I was watching this, I was like, this is so damn boring. Like, how are we going to make a podcast about this? How are we going to do a 45-minute podcast about this boring-ass little town in Tennessee? The story which is boring in the beginning? Let me tell you guys what. It gets spicy at the end. It it comes out of nowhere. There's a lot of layers. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a wild ride. It's, let's just give you guys the brief synopsis of the episode. Like we did with our first Snap series... Snapped is interesting because they give you what happened, who died in the first like five minutes, and then they go throughout the episode explaining um, what led up to the death of that person. But alrighty, so we'll start right in. Once again, like our last Snapped episode, we are in a small town in Teleco Plains, Tennessee, back in May of 2006. Again, small town, quiet living, very simple times. Nothing crazy is going on in Teleco Plains, like every episode of Snap. We see a man by the name of Bob McClancy is found dead in his recliner with a gun in his hand and pills on his chest. Bob McClancy, he was a war veteran. He was in combat in Vietnam. And guys should know that he was living with PTSD for many years. Yeah, it's... um. It's a really sad, sad piece. He's struggling and um, he was on antidepressants. He had gone, he had checked himself into the psychiatric ward at the Mm -hmm. VA hospital and he was feeling really lost. Poor guy. So it turns out that his best friend who he was roommates with at um, the psychiatric psychiatric ward was the one that found his body and his name was... Chuck Karsmarzik, and he is the one that called 911, and the cops come and find a Bob sitting in his recliner, like you said, with a gun in his hand and pills spread throughout him. And the reenactment, I just need to say that it looks a little ridiculous. Like, it looks like someone, like, took the pills and strategically placed them around his chest to make it very dramatic and in motion and it looked it looked a little ridiculous but there's actually a reason why it looks so Mm -hmm. staged would you say (laughs) but yeah so we we find that chuck is the one that has called police bob's friend um reported him dead in his recliner we find that the town was shook because again nothing like this ever happens there as you guys can expect in a small town 
Rumors start to fly throughout the town, and for nearly decades, we find that Bob's death was never solved. They rule it possibly either um, a suicide or possibly accidental overdose. But um, we're going to be seeing a theme here that in this small town, a lot of people talk. And so (laughs) people are talking that Chuck, the BFF, and Martha, Ann, his wife, may have had something to do with it Mm -hmm. and so for a little background we're going to talk about the history of martha ann mcclancy let's talk about miss martha 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 (laughs) so martha ann was born martha ann fry in alcoa tennessee she was an honor student she loved going to school she was born in 1949 this really dates her she won a lot of awards for future homemakers of america it was her dream yes her goal was to be a homemaker. Anyway, she still went to the University of Tennessee where she met her first husband, who was not given a name. I'm assuming he was like, don't involve me in this. <laughs> <laughs> so he ended up graduating, but she dropped out. They married while they were still in school, adopted a son named Sean, who is going to be an important part. Not our Sean. He also spells <laughs> his name incorrectly. Yes. <laughs> and and then four years later, they had a biological son. Um, she was an elegant, classic Southern woman, was very devoted um, to her family and her husband. And mm-hmm. the pictures that they were showing, her haircut is so Karen. <laughs> It is. Oh my god, it's like the little updo. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's just like a very put together woman. Mm-hmm. So she had two kids. She loved being a homemaker. Um, and they moved to from Tennessee to Sarasota, Florida. Again, and... we're in Florida. Yes, she's a Florida it. woman, not a Florida man. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's always Florida. There was a couple of times where her husband was in between jobs, and so she had to give up being a homemaker and work, which she didn't care for. (laughs) So she got a job at the Manatee County Sheriff's Department as a receptionist. And this is where she meets Bob McClancy. Bob McClancy, the dead man in the recliner. That's all he's known as, God. (laughs) Um, And we also, we find that Bob, he was, like we said before, a war veteran. He was in combat in Vietnam. He grew up in Queens, New York. He served in multiple tours, honorably discharged and when he came back to the States, briefly married and then quickly got divorced, which they don't say why he, why this marriage ended so quickly, but um, it does. And he had trouble moving on from what he had seen over at war to try to better his life and to move on from his past. He up and moved to Florida for a new start. And this is where he was also working at the sheriff's department where he met Martha Ann. Mm -hmm. And they quickly hit it off and she started an affair. We see interviews from the son, Sean. I had just turned 13. She had been gone for several weekends and wanted me to go meet her friend that she had been staying with. She said not to tell my father that we were going. We liked him. The, The first day I met him, he took us out on his boat fishing. My mom almost immediately filed for divorce. Bob McClancy moved into our home and he became a stepfather. And so she was like, so what do you, what do you think of Bob? And they're like, oh, we like Bob. He has a boat. So fun. Yeah. Mind you guys, she is still married and she's introducing her children to her affair. Her lover. (laughs) And so, and the funny part is she was like, don't tell your father what we're doing. (laughs) 
And so once the kids gave the okay, like immediately she was Mm -hmm. like, all right, kicked her husband out and got a divorce. (laughs) Yep. And even like they're both of their families, Martha Ann's family and her friends and Bob's family and friends were saying, she was a very meticulous person. She was kind of like a very strict type person. I didn't expect my brother to be with somebody like that. Them being together was not what what any of them ever expected. Because Martha, she was put together, Betty Homemaker, and Bob was just like a mess. He like didn't care how he looked. He just walked out the door in his boxers to get the mail. Like, you know, he just wasn't put together like Martha was. Yeah, and Martha loved socializing. She loved traveling. And Bob was very much a homebody and private. So once Martha and her unknown estranged husband that we have no idea what his name is got a divorce in 1995 martha ann and bob married bob wanted to start a farm so four years later they moved to then teleco plains tennessee where we find the story taking place and they start a farm they have pigs goats chickens um and the kids love bob basically as their new father we don't hear anything about their real father. We all hear about is how great of a guy Bob is. He's got so many animals and they just love living on the farm, just being with their new dad. Yeah, poor unknown guy was very quickly replaced. <laughs> Which I think they learned from their mother because she very quickly replaces people. Yeah. So even though they were both working in Florida, she was they were both working for the sheriff's department. When they moved, they were only 49 years old each. So they were too young to stop working. I mean... I'm assuming they didn't have the savings to just retire and live off the land. We find that Bob was trying to find a job at the local sheriff's department, but there was just simply nothing for him to do there. So he began doing just like odd jobs around the town, mowing, working on the farm, doing that kind of crap. I don't know what the hell he was doing, really. And then we find that Martha Ann was working in a nearby town, and they honestly don't even tell us where she was working. Right. And she was working in Sweetwater, which was a longer commute, but mm-hmm. they didn't say what she was doing. I'm assuming kind of like bookkeeping, reception work, like that sort of thing that she was doing at the sheriff's department. And I mean, overall, just their way of life was simple. Nothing nothing crazy, just simple living out in Tennessee. And so Snapped switches back to the crime scene. <gasps> so it switches gears. <laughs> and when the police come, it looked like he had been dead for a bit. Um, so they're searching around and they find on the kitchen counter a do not resuscitate order like signed right out there. And that was my first inclination that something was a little weird. Yeah. Like making sure that if he's still alive, when you guys come, don't resuscitate him. And they, (laughs) they kind of thought that was his way of, you know, making sure that he died and, you know, way of suicide. So they let Martha know Martha Anna's rushing home from work Um, She wanted to see the crime scene, but they wouldn't let her because, you know, they were still processing and investigating. So her friend, Debbie Hartman, comes and they're waiting in the police car sobbing together. Um, Mm -hmm. Her bestie, Debbie. Her bestie, Debbie. And meanwhile, inside, they're taking a statement from Chuck. um, And Chuck's pretty much relaying that he struggled with PTSD. He had nightmares about this moment when he had to make a split decision and his friend died and he felt really guilty about that. And that was kind of his source of struggle a lot of the time. He would sit in his chair in the hallway with a gun and he was afraid that he was going to accidentally shoot Martha. And so that's when he checked himself into the psychiatric treatment 
and he met Chuck and everything. Yeah. Um, and so they became very quick friends. Bob even introduced Chuck as to Martha as his brother and his best friend. And um, BFFs. Lived, <laughs> BFFs forever. <laughs> I, at this point, I was like, oh, my God, I want them to be lovers. Like, what a story. Like, Martha will never understand Bob like Chuck does. But that's not what happens. <laughs> Since Chuck is always around the house, he's always there with Bob, being friendly with Bob and Martha. Um, we find that Chuck was saying that Bob's symptoms of PTSD were worsening. And he was becoming very aggressive and antagonistic, um, which was very unlike Bob. Bob was um, a very carefree guy, go with the flow. But ultimately, he was really struggling with his PTSD, which is so wild because this is years later from when he came back from war. He wasn't struggling this bad years prior. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is all affecting him now later in life, which is the saddest thing. Because it's, I mean, it must be hard for 20 years you're not living with this as seriously as you are when you get older. I think he's, you know, it's just like any kind of mental illness. It, you know, manifests more severely at different times and up and down uphill battle sort of thing. So since we see that Chuck is coming around the house more, since Bob is struggling, um, he's helping mow the lawn. He's helping with the landscaping. He's just ultimately helping Martha keep up with the house since uh, Bob is struggling with his own with his own things but we find that at the crime scene police find um, a digital camera that belongs to chuck which also was strange because why does chuck have a digital camera just sitting at bob and martha's house but whatever (laughs) (laughs) but the police find photos on the camera okay this is where i was like oh shit (laughs) <laughs> like okay so like before this you know it's like pretty boring like okay bob died in his chair accidental overdose suicide okay boring but this is where we get into some juicy juicy details um the police find photos of bob's body um on this camera which is chuck's when looking through the photos they find that the body in the crime scene was staged we went through the photos on the camera there was uh photos of him without the pistol and the medication bottle and then there was pictures of him just the pistol and then there was uh, a pictures of him with the pistol and medication bottle and then the final picture was pretty much what we walked into and saw for ourselves so yeah they just they're just like what is going on and so that's why i just thought it was so ridiculous the way that the the pills were like methodically strewn about and everything is because it looked clearly staged and it was and so i really like how snapped really conveyed that right away when they're yeah. you know, showing the dramatic reenactments they made <laughs> it look very overly staged because it was yeah and i'm just like why on earth would you take these pictures what is the point why would you document evidence of some foul play going on and yeah. so at that moment, the police were like, okay, this wasn't a suicide. Like, <laughs> we have reason to believe it wasn't. So they arrest Chuck. And so Chuck's coming out in handcuffs. And Martha's like, what the fuck? She's freaking <laughs> out. Yeah, she's crying. She's frantic. She doesn't know what's going on. Like, this is so crazy. Like, why is Chuck in handcuffs? I mean, they were best friends. They were roommates. Yeah. What could he have possibly have done? And so Chuck is at the police station and he gives his second statement. His first one was at the house. This is the second statement. And he admitted that it was staged, but he said he was dead when he already got there. And the reason he kind of 
put the evidence there was because he wanted to make sure that Martha Ann was taken care of so mm-hmm. that he had proof for the VA so that she would get money insurance, I guess life insurance money or something from him. So he was like, I was doing it to take care of Martha Ann. Which I don't understand. I mean, he either way, he's dead. So wouldn't there be insurance money no matter how he died, whether it was a murder whether it was suicide or something accidental. I don't understand. Wouldn't there still be money going to Martha because he's dead? Well, and the autopsy report shows that it was an overdose. So it wasn't like they yeah. couldn't figure it out. It was mysterious. They needed these these props in order to figure it out. <laughs> and needed these photos. Like, what was Chuck going to do? He Was he going to submit these photos to the, the Veterans Association? Be like, look, evidence give her money right it just did not add up so basically yeah chuck took the pictures he said because he wanted to make sure that martha ann was taken care of and that she could get all the insurance money and that was his primary concern again chuck's coming out in handcuffs and martha's crying that chuck's in handcuffs chuck says that he wants martha ann to be taken care of what's going on here mm-hmm. see if that was you know, my husband did, and this guy came out in handcuffs. I said, what the, what did you do to my husband? You know? <laughs> yeah. They weren't sure if the overdose was accidental or on purpose. They couldn't identify that. But Chuck was charged with tampering with evidence, and Martha Ann was scrambling to find him a good attorney. But the charges ended up being dropped because the police didn't have a search warrant to search the camera. So it was, like, inadmissible in court. Yeah, and- Chuck could have sued them for tampering with evidence. They didn't have any right to go through the camera. They didn't have a warrant to do anything. It was basically like, we'll drop the charges and forget all about this. Right. So he he got by the skin of his teeth. Yeah, he got lucky. (laughs) (laughs) So we find, moving on from this, Martha Ann and Chuck are now, like, they're free. The death of Bob is just ruled possibly an overdose, uh, suicide, and everybody just moves on from it. Five months down the line since Bob's death, Chuck is still visiting Martha because since now she has this huge-ass farm, she needs help taking care of it. She's out working, and Chuck's got all the time in the world. So Chuck is coming over, and he's doing all the maintenance to the house, upkeep, um, and he just he's helping out Martha as much as he can. And the small town... Rumor mill is churning again, and they're like, oh my god, are they a couple? What is going on? Are these old people Facebook official? (laughs) And then they get their answer because five months later, they get married. So Martha Ann had not one but two affairs in her lifetime. How many of you women can say the same? And not just like, ooh, like she had ongoing relationships in two of her marriages with other men. Yes. And I mean, a small town, everybody's talking about it. So also we see that not only is the town skeptical, but also the authorities in town are skeptical because Martha Ann, your husband just died five months ago and now you're fucking fucking his best friend, his bestie, and you just married him. (laughs) Something's a little off here. But their hands were tied because they didn't go about the digital camera thing appropriately. So they just kind of had to sit and wait and hope they made a mistake. <laughs> I mean, um, once again, we find that the the police 
uh, in these situations are not at their best. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't everyone be Denise from the Chris Watts case? <laughs> I know. Get her in. Fly her into every single case. They are starting to live the life that Martha Ann loves. They buy a motorhome RV and they're traveling around the country. They go on extravagant cruises and Chuck is this big man on campus because now he's speaking at seminars with veterans and he was a very decorated soldier. He had two purple hearts, two flying crosses, two silver stars, which is the second highest award for valor, and mm-hmm. a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> I joke, I jokester. So Martha was loving her life. She was traveling the country, traveling the world with Chuck, this big man who's this decorated war hero and we we get this one clip during a seminar where chuck was telling a story about how he won this classified award which we find doesn't exist and we find that one of the audience members at one of these seminars uh calls up the veterans association is like can you possibly look into this like this guy's claiming he has this decorated classified award um can you just like do a little digging and like see if you could figure it out and so the va is like yeah we'll investigate and it turns out that all of the medals were fake he was never wounded he was never shot at he made up all of these special orders to get these awards because he planned <laughs> on faking ptsd to get respirations from the va and these respirations amounted into $3,200 a month from the government. So that's why he had all the time in the world. He didn't have to work. He was taken care of. Yeah. It was never proved, but it's suspected that Martha Ann was helping him make some of these fake awards. Mm -hmm. She was helping him with the paperwork, helping fabricate this entire story that he was trying to give off like he was some war hero. But yeah, I mean, Martha, later on we find Martha claims a lot of things that she was just like a damsel in distress and like she didn't know what was going on and she was taken advantage of but she knew damn well what was going on she was involved with everything that chuck was doing i mean when you are married to somebody and you're living every single day with them you're traveling the world with them you know what's happening right and he already had this plan before he met martha ann but she was like let's kick it into high gear here (laughs) (laughs) bob you're boring i'm leaving with chuck so chuck was a career con man in other words so now we're in july of 2012 so to remind you guys bob's death was in 2006 we are now six years later of martha ann and chuck being married still No clue what has happened to Bob at this point. Yeah, so the government comes looking for him and they are both arrested for fraud and they both plead guilty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Martha is sentenced to 20 months and Chuck is sentenced to 30 months to make sure that everything's taken care of and in order and she doesn't leave her or so she doesn't lose her assets. She signs over her power of attorney to her son, Sean. And this is, I mean, their plan already started to unravel when when Chuck got a little too excited about his fake awards. But now this is really when the case for Bob starts to, some light is shed on what happened with Bob. Yeah. So we find uh, her son, Sean, um, since he has basically power of attorney of her entire estate, her farm, he's, he's going through her laptop. And he he doesn't say that he's snooping through her laptop, like trying to find evidence of anything. He just says that he's going through her laptop, looking through it, 
deleting documents and files because he was going to give it to his kids while he's snooping through the laptop, he finds those same photos that were on Chuck's camera uh, six years ago, still on Martha Ann's laptop. I started to go through the files to make sure it would be okay to use. I found photos of my stepdad, Bob, uh, deceased. Well, and I like that six years later, they still have those. They didn't think, oh man, that really incriminated us. We should just get rid of those. Yeah, right? Like, why is she like looking back on those photos and be like, oh, there's my sweetie Bob just lying in the recliner, his favorite spot. Like, <laughs> dead. <laughs> like, why do you keep them? If you killed the man, you don't keep the evidence for six years. And so, Sean, instead of calling his mother in jail, he calls the authorities. <laughs> And I mean, because he can because he has power of turning over everything. So he's allowed to hand them over. And so they were entered back into evidence because they were this time obtained legally. So now the case is reopened and it's all because of Martha Ann's own son. (laughs) (laughs) So we find that Sean is cooperating with police and the police are like, "Ooh, this is like a perfect opportunity for us to catch Martha Ann. In the act. They work with Sean and get Sean to call his mother while she's in prison to ask her about these photos that he found on her laptop. And so they, he consents to having the, the phone call recorded. His think, he says his thinking behind it was, oh, she's going to say that it was all misunderstanding. She's going to clear her name. And that is not what happened. <laughs> A good chance for her, if she didn't do anything, to come out with what's exactly happened i asked her what should i do with them she said delete them delete as much as you can off of the computer i felt that my mom had a lot more to do with this than what she said and in that moment sean realizes okay my mother did something (laughs) (laughs) and he said he was very he was devastated he just couldn't believe what what he was hearing and that his mother could have anything to do with his new daddy's yep. um, murder, essentially. So next we find out that police are informing Chuck of basically what's happening. Like, yo, your photos are on Martha's computer. Like, what's going on? Um, and at this time, Chuck was serving 30 months in prison. He gives us like a tell-all, like an expose. He's just ratting everybody out. He's ratting out Martha Ann, like the con man he is. Um, and he's basically like, uh, fight or flight. <laughs> I'm going to survive this and Martha Ann's not. She's going down. Right. And I don't know what Martha Ann expected from this career con man, but as soon as he was backed <laughs> up against the wall, he was like, okay, I'll tell you everything <laughs> to save his own skin. <laughs> yep. So we find in Chuck's expose, Martha Ann basically wanted Bob out of the way. Um, And she would do anything to get Bob out of the way. Again, like we said, she probably realized, wow, Chuck's like an amazing man. He does everything. He travels the world. And Bob just sits on his ass in his recliner all day and doesn't do shit. He claims that Martha Ann just wanted him gone. Right. She liked to be a homemaker. She liked to be taken care of. And Bob just in his mental state wasn't able to do that. And instead of, you know, supporting your husband, she just replaces him. (laughs) Yes. So we get the tea from Chuck and he says that Martha would use her, what she called magic dust and sprinkle in uh, Bob's PTSD drugs into his food. Chuck has Marzik in his statement said that Martha Ann was crushing up Bob's medication and putting it in, in his food. 
According to Chuck, she had called it magic dust. And of course, uh, too too much. Mm -hmm. And Chuck said they did this three times. And the first two times, they rushed him to the hospital. But here's the kicker. (laughs) They, instead of going to Sweetwater, where the closest hospital was, they went to Knoxville, which was two hours away, hoping that he would die (laughs) on the way there. But he didn't. King Bob. Oh, King Bob. He's like, I ain't dying yet, motherfuckers. Honestly... This is diabolical. Yeah, this woman is heartless. And the fact that she called it magic dust just shows that she has no remorse or care for Bob at the end of the day. So for the third time, she gives him a larger dose. And this is on May 14th. All of this was premeditated. They had a plan. They knew what they were doing. Since Martha put in a larger dose, even Chuck was like, yeah, this is the day he's going to die today. We are upping the dose um, today's his last day. So their plan included Martha Ann, uh, being away from home. She was away at work and then Chuck was going to go in and discover the body and be like, Oh my God, what happened to Bob? And then call the police. So then Martha Ann could say, Oh, I had an alibi Chuck to confirm that I wasn't home when Bob passed away. Mm-hmm. And and she was actually at work. And so Perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> perfect timing (laughs) yeah so no matter what where bob ended up chuck was there to stage the scene which he didn't do very well because it was very staged Mm -hmm. (laughs) very clearly staged so we find while they're in prison they are now charged again for first degree murder of bob which this is all because of uh, Chuck's ex- expose. I wonder if they, if he denied everything, if they would have gotten the evidence they needed. Yeah. Well, that's almost like Eve Nance when she was like, ah, oh, alrighty, I'm, I'm ready to just tell you guys everything. And they were like, without Eve Nance, we would have never solved this case. <laughs> <laughs> that Eve Nance did it. Without Eve yeah. Nance, we wouldn't have arrested Eve Nance. <laughs> I'm ex- and I'm thinking... That Chuck was probably thinking, if I'm going down, I'm taking her with me. <laughs> yeah. So now we see on November 16th, 2015. So how many years later is this? It happened in 2006. Uh, nine years later, we are at trial. <laughs> God damn, this shit takes forever to get to. <laughs> <laughs> Martha comes in with a walker. Um, she has a back brace on and she's acting like a grandma, like, oh, my back. Like, oh, my God. Like, how could I kill somebody? I'm just an innocent old lady uh, trying to, like, manipulate the jury and their thinking of how could she do such a thing. So the prosecution opens with saying that her grandmotherly edge is exactly what makes her deadly because mm-hmm. you wouldn't suspect her and so she can get away with it. Um And they say before Bob's death, Martha and Chuck were having an affair and she wanted Chuck instead because of the reasons we said before he was struggling. He wasn't providing money and Chuck was there. He had free money and he was charismatic and outgoing. And so everyone's like, well, why not get a divorce? But for some reason that was not an option for Martha. I don't know. She was like, I can divorce once, but two times I just can't. Like, the first time she did it right. I mean, she didn't really do it right. She had an affair and then got the divorce. But, you know, she didn't kill anybody the first time. 
Yeah, that's a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> the second time, you know, she was older and wiser, and she's like, I can get away with it. Mm-hmm. She thought her, her grandmotherly assets <laughs> would keep her safe. But the thing was is that she didn't want to wait through a divorce and have to share. She wanted everything, and she wanted it now. While Bob was having health issues, he gave power of attorney to Martha Ann. A theme here, power of attorney. Don't give it to anybody, essentially, <laughs> is what I've learned. Um, so she used his signature on that to then create this ridiculous fake will that was so <laughs> clearly fake. Like she got everything and Bob's daughter from his previous marriage got $1 <laughs> and his sister got $1. She sent them their dollars in the mail with a letter saying, this is what Bob wanted for you. And I'm like, that's not even like a good lie. Like clearly $1. That's a slap in the face. I mean, it must be telling because from the interviews with the family, you don't see them saying how great of a person Martha was. They were like saying how, yes, it's shocking how she could have done this. There probably was like riffs in the family prior and that's why they got $1. Like maybe she used that to her advantage saying like, oh, remember that fight you had with your dad? Well, here's a dollar. Then Sean comes onto the stand and he's, you know, struggling, testifying against his own mother. And he is talking about the pictures that he found in the conversation with his mom where she said, delete them, delete them. Oh, they also call Debbie Hartman, her BFF to the stand and testifies that they were having an affair when, when Bob was still alive. I don't know if if the attraction was there instantly. I do believe that the affair started while Bob was still alive. And Debbie seems like, in her interviews, she seems very heartbroken. Like, she's like... There's nothing that she has ever told me that I have not questioned in my mind. There's nothing that she ever told me that I now believe. Yeah, and her best friend wasn't telling her anything. I mean... Clearly something this extreme, like you're not going to tell your best friend, but she just felt so betrayed Mm -hmm. that she was like, get my ass on that stand and I'm going to take down Martha Ann. (laughs) Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, So next Chuck comes on the stand and they need his testimony because for his expose. And so they cut him a deal that they would only charge him with conspiracy to commit murder, not commit murder. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to get Martha Ann on both. Because she was the one that actually gave the dose. He was just kind of the co-conspirator, I guess. And he... I I mean, it was almost like um, the reverse of Chuck's situation. Like, he was the one wearing the fake medals, claiming all these fake awards. And Martha Ann was just like the co-conspirator. She was just there helping him fill out the paperwork. Yeah, what? She, She thought she was just helping him with his administrative work. And... So by the time he goes on the stand, he's already serving 25 years. So he's already started his sentence. Mm -hmm. And the prosecution keeps saying that they know that the jury doesn't like him because he's a con man and everything. So they're worried that his testimony isn't going to have much weight with the jury. So when he testifies, he tells a little bit of a different story. He doesn't say, oh, I found him in his recliner. He says that Bob was still alive and conscious on the bathroom floor when he came. And so Bob was conscious enough to ask Chuck for help to help me up. Chuck just kind of ignored him and wrestled him into the recliner and sat back and waited for him to die. That is so sinister to just sit and watch your best friend struggle for breath and die. And then he, once he is certain he's dead, he calls 911 and then the the fakery begins. (laughs) Next, we get into the defense's arguments 
And they're basically claiming that Martha Ann, she was just like an innocent little old lady. Like, she didn't know what was going on. She was a victim of Chuck's fraud, just like the government was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Martha Ann was just, you know, this innocent old lady. And Chuck turned on her and accused her of murder, claiming all these things. And it's just so crazy. She just didn't see this coming. Martha Ann, to this day... Never, never admitted to killing her husband. She never admitted to conspiring to kill her husband. She still to this day claims that her husband's Bob's death was because of an overdose on the pills. Mm -hmm. And she just has no idea. She would never do anything to hurt him. He was the love of her life and she wanted to Mm -hmm. take care of him. And it was just like so fake because that's not what Martha Ann has shown. The moment that she has to start going to work, she's thinking of replacing the husband. And... And also the the defense says that brings up how Chuck has a history of lying, like he's a career liar. And so the defense used that against against him to to discredit him. And also Martha Ann's team says that Chuck confessed because of retaliation because she sent him divorce papers in jail. She served him divorce papers, separate herself from him because he was a liar and a con man. And it was her way of trying to be like, oh, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't do it. If you believe it, that's up to you. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's just playing the widow card like oh me oh my god my husband's dead and i loved him i swear <laughs> <laughs> finally the jury which they say that the jury took some time to think about this case to go over it go over all the evidence and they announced their verdicts on martha ann and they dismissed her for the murder charge found her guilty of attempted murder and guilty of conspiracy to commit murder and everybody was left confused including the attorneys it's a confusing verdict when you have someone that's charged with murder and you have a dead person then normally what you get is a guilty of murder or a not guilty of murder it's very confusing when they kind of disregard the charge that you put out and charge them with something else Mm -hmm. and they were like even Martha Ann was like, no, 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 no. Like, what? Wait, what? So am I Am I free? Am I guilty? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> she had no idea what was going on. I mean, none, I imagine none of them knew what was going on. She's not guilty of committing the murder, but she's found guilty of conspiring to commit the murder. Was it just accidental that he died in the conspiracy she was already having to kill him? It's a weird conviction. And everybody was mentioning how weird it was. Right. Well, and I'm thinking their thought was, well, we don't have enough to charge her with full on murder, but she definitely was doing something weird. Yeah. I kind of think that if you're going to find her guilty of attempted murder and the person died, I would say that's a successful murder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she got away with it because mm-hmm. to this day, no one's been convicted of the death of Bob. So a year later in 2016 at her sentencing hearing, the judge gives her the maximum for each sentence, which is 25 years for a total of 50 years. And the judge was like, this is the most I can possibly give you. You deserve more, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And that a bullet to the head would have been more merciful, merciful than slowly poisoning this man. Mm-hmm. Multiple and, times. Yes. I, which... I was thinking about this. The first two times that he didn't die actually kind of worked in her favor because then she had a record of him overdosing. Like if he just overdosed one time, it never happened before. Would it have been more suspicious? Yeah. I mean, yeah, she had it really all planned out. Oh, he overdosed? Well, he has a history of overdosing. So no biggie. That's not a shock to any of us. Let me just go marry Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so then we get like the final graphic that they always do at the end and she, 
she will be eligible for parole once 30% of her sentence has been served. She'll be 82 at that point. (laughs) In the video that they show of her walking in the courtroom, she already looks 82. (laughs) She looks 100. She moves like a snail. (laughs) Megan, let's wrap this all up. What are your final thoughts on the death of Bob McClancy? I mean, I think what Chuck said is true, even though he's a con man. I feel like he told the truth because he's trying to save his own skin. So I think what, what Chuck said was the truth. And I think the Martha Ann was a lazy leech of a person. Is not loyal or loving to anyone. She just wanted to be taken care of. And she wanted to be a little homemaker. I'm not saying that homemakers are lazy. But I'm saying Martha is lazy. Just you know, Martha she, herself. Just Martha. She wanted to be taken care of financially. She wanted the yard and maintenance and everything taken care of. She wanted to be a little damsel in distress. She Mm -hmm. wanted infinite money to play around with and travel with. And I think she did it for a while. I'm sure those six years before she got caught were amazing to her, but it caught up with her and she got her comeuppance. Not as much as she probably deserved. Yep. Not being convicted of actual murder, but I would say she got something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you think that Martha Ann, in her earlier years, do you think she had this in her? Like, what do you think changed her this late in life and she's ready to commit murder? That's a good question. And I don't know. know? Like, what (laughs) in her changed that she couldn't do this 40 years ago to her first husband? Oh, but 40 years later, she's in a way better way of life and living. She finds it necessary to perform this crazy act and all these lies. It's interesting to, like, learn why somebody would do this at that age. Maybe with age comes bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> she, They do say that she was smart and scary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> scary grandmother. Uh, my final thought is Bob was the victim here. Poor Bob. You know, he served our country living with PTSD for years. And he didn't even have the support behind him. He had Martha Ann literally planning and plotting his death, trying to live every single day. And Martha Ann over here, uh, a two-time two time affair and one-time murderer. Like we said, she was smart and scary. She knew what she was doing, possibly at that point in her life where she was like, I don't want to lift another finger. And Chuck was right there, the man with the money living off the government. And she saw him out and she saw that, wow, he has so much money and he can just take care of me and we could travel the world and go to all these events and different countries and just live a much easier life than having to work every single day. And what pisses me off the most is he was taking resources away from men like Bob who were struggle, who were genuinely struggling with trauma mm-hmm. and really suffering. He's sitting there with all his fake jewelry medals and <laughs> there are real veterans out there that needed help and he was essentially robbing them. I mean, yeah. what a scumbag. Well, I mean, you think about it and it's like, where's like the checks on these people that are claiming these purple hearts and all these medals? My grandfather can just put on a jacket with a bunch of medals and walk down, walk downtown and be like, yeah, I served in Vietnam and I got two purple hearts. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to say, are they, are they real? Like, obviously you're going to be like, thank you for your service. Thank you so much. You're not going to question it, you know? And Chuck played that to his advantage. <laughs> he knew, yeah. He played all that. He said, there's no checks and balances in place. I'm just going to defraud the entire system. But then again, I'm like, 
you're at this high of a level where you're giving speeches at conventions. There's got to be somebody who's checking your credentials. Right. And it was just this lone guy in one seminar that was like, Mm -hmm. this doesn't add up. Guys, that's it. Wrapping up episode two of snap this case was like an onion there were many layers to pull back Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i said in the beginning boring small town living and then it gets spicy towards the end you know a grandma murderer you don't see that every day (laughs) (laughs) you really don't miss martha ann sprinkling her magic dust in her mashed potatoes oh my god (laughs) when you say it like that just sounds so so crazy (laughs) but guys if you are loving our podcast we could really use the support please leave a like leave a review it really helps us out yes and follow us on our social media which is instagram crime on tap pod interact with us we love to hear feedback and comments it makes us Mm -hmm. feel legit we will see you guys next week where where crime crime is always always on tap tap. (laughs) 